Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good afternoon, folks. This is Dave Thompson. I am the Education Director here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. I want to tell you uh, good afternoon. It is approximately 1 o'clock Eastern time here on a Thursday afternoon. And should I just say, right in the middle of the COVID crisis. That's about everything that anything that anybody's talking about right now. So guess what we're going to talk about today. We are also powered by Gym Supply. They have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. They are a distributor of the products that you're going to be using to fight this, well, issue. Let's just say it that way. Uh, as we're going to be doing every afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be doing this uh, live every afternoon for, well, I'm just going to say the foreseeable future. I'll tell you when we're going to quit doing it. But uh, until uh, that time, if you have a question, bring your question in. Uh, what we ask you to do is type your question in in the chat box. We'll read it, and then uh, you can either call in or we'll ask you to call in and talk live with us. Now, I never know who's going to join me on one of these uh, situations, but I will tell you this afternoon, unlike yesterday, it's all by myself, but today, Dr. Aaron is joining us again. Dr. Aaron, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Dave. Great to be with you. Wish it was different circumstances. You and I were supposed to be doing this from the Grand Floridian Resort in Disney. Yeah, we were supposed to be doing this live by the pool again. I remember it. We did that a year ago. Yeah, that's correct. And we'd set to do that again. And I'm here and you're there and we're all living through it together. And I'm not by the pool. <laughs> no, I imagine. Neither am I. <laughs> well, matter of fact, talking about such things, Aaron... We're going to talk this afternoon probably mainly about people and behavior during this. And I just got to open up the afternoon this way. I mean, I'm not by the pool because the behavior here at our RV park, they closed the pool. They closed the main office. You have to call and make an appointment to go into the office to get your mail. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, what else can you say, right? Yeah, uh, it's, I mean... Dave, what I, I'll tell you what I've told others too, you know, in our family, et cetera. I just said, you know, I'm 60, almost 64 years old. I said, never seen anything like this. I, you know, this is, this is uncharted water and we're kind of making the rules up as we go. Uh, there you go. That, that is it. I will tell you, I have been writing Hosting, building courses, I mean, everything uh, like crazy uh, here at the Academy um, since this thing started breaking. Um, so, you know, I know that your wife is into behavioral sciences. Yeah. Uh, you're in management. So this afternoon, before I get into the questions from my audience, 
let's talk about what what are we getting ready for or where have we been or what are we, what do you what do you see is going to be the future after all this is over <laughs> well you know let's let's i guess maybe give a little good news right uh, okay when this is all over we'll be back to normal and i'm hoping lord willing you know that Four, five, six months from now, we'll be standing around at cocktail parties saying, hey, remember back in May when? And, you know, we'll all hopefully be having a conversation about what it was like, and we'll be talking about what we did and how we handled it. Um, Will it be a new normal? A new normal. Um, Boy, I wouldn't go that far, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I think this um, this is an abnormal situation. All right. Uh, in on many levels, um, it's not something that you look at and say this is going to happen again. But I think, and even talking, I've got two. Uh, my daughter is twenty six. My son's twenty three, and we've been talking about obviously as everybody has. And I say, you know, the thing that you got to keep in mind is this will certainly change people's outlook and their psyche. Um, I, I think what they're going to, what you'll start seeing is a lot of things aren't going to be taken for granted anymore. Uh, you know, we just sort of all assumed that, that life was going to go on and we were going to rock and roll. And I think what we've learned in the last couple of weeks is how quickly life can go upside down on you. And every once in a while we get a shot like that, you know, life does something to us that uh, was totally unexpected. But that tends to be an individual thing. What's going to make this one different is it's something we're going to go through as a society, as a group. Um, if I would equate it to anything, uh, right now, early on, I would equate it more to, believe it or not, this is going to sound like a strange comparison perhaps, but I would equate it more to 9-11 or the Challenger disaster. In other words, you can, you can tell me where you were on 9-11. You can tell me where you were when the Challenger blew up. I know a lot of the audience is too young and that makes me an old guy, but. uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But, you know, we remember that. And it, it certainly had an impact on us, and this will have an impact on people as well. You know, you never, you just, we won't take anything for granted anymore. And um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock the footings out from a lot of people's sense of security. Well, I have to say, since you mentioned it, I have to say, the, first of all, uh, 9-11 means uh, more than just the disaster to me. I happen to be the date of my birth. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so, so 9-11 in 1957, I was in Montgomery, Alabama, and if uh, and although I was only born then, that was during and right before all of the race issues uh, sure. in Alabama, of course. Yep. The 9-11 you're mentioning, as people are listening, for those that don't uh, haven't lived through it, uh, yes, I was in the basement of a multi-story building downtown St. Louis. And when we saw it, we all said, let's run out to the street and get out from underneath this building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, what we're dealing with today, Aaron, um, where do you go now? We're here in Florida and people were going to the beach and now they're closing the beach. I can't go to the beach. I can't go to, I had a lady on the line with me this morning and she said, we went and got some food and everything, went to the park, and the park is closed. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously the way to prevent the spread is to keep people from socializing. And that's, uh, that's going to have an impact. But, you know, the good news is, if you think about it, uh, with technology today, 
um, we're able to work around a lot of that. I mean, classic example, um, here I am at Bradley University, and like every other university, I think, we're done for the rest of the spring semester, but we've transformed our classes online. So starting a week from this Monday, uh, I'll be holding class in an online environment, and I'll have my 25 students virtually there, and, you know, we'll get through this. We'll, you know, we'll make the adjustment. And, uh, yeah, we're, we've, we're closed, but we've got technology that allows us to, you know, I'm going to uh, FaceTime with my best friend on, uh, I think, Monday night. I'm going to FaceTime with my sister tomorrow night. We can not only talk to each other, but with technology today, we can see each other. Um, you know, we've got, we've got, advantages today that previous generations didn't have. So I think that's the good news is we're not uh, as isolated as we are. We don't have to be completely isolated uh, because we, we can have sort of virtual contact with each other at a level we never could. That's a good thing. Well, and you and I have talked about virtual technology uh, many times on the podcast before, Aaron, over the mm -hmm. last year. And, of course, the Academy has been working and moving towards that. We've been doing remote remote learning, live remote learning, however you want to term it, um, for well over a year now. And uh, now you're seeing, actually, as you just said, we're now having to do this. Do you think that a different norm will come out of this? Because now people will be forced to know how to use this. We'll find that it's not as bad as they might have thought. Um. I think my or, or my, let me ask this other question as yeah. you answer that. D does behavior change that quickly? Right. Um, great question. And um, if this is seen as a one-off, uh, you probably won't see the permanent change in behavior. So, in other words. The thing about 9-11, uh, the gentleman who's the president of our university at Bradley, he happened to be uh, the dean of the, uh, or I think it was the dean of the law school at Tulane University in New Orleans when Katrina hit. Okay. And they were shut down, right. basically, for that period of time. Uh, but if you've been to New Orleans in the last uh, year or two. Uh, I have. It, it's New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you know there was a hurricane? Do you know anything happened? You know, I, things like that that are seen as, you know, this was a one-off, once, you know, once in a lifetime, once in a hundred years kind of thing. Those generally don't tend to affect our behavior because we view them as being one-off. If for some bizarre reason, you know, some other strain comes around next year and we're, you know, we're doing this again, uh, that will raise far more interesting questions about people's behavior. Right now, we see this as an anomaly. This is a, a weird thing, you know, that, that came out of the Wuhan province in China, and it spread, and we all get it, and we understand it, and we're doing everything we can to try to flatten the curve and all those other buzzwords that we're hearing today. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think most of us are viewing this as a one-off, and, you know, well, by summer, we'll be back to normal. Uh, well, I understand that, is. but... I understand that, but my question here, though, Aaron, is the use of technology to do what you just talked about in remote learning and FaceTime and stuff, you know, there's a lot of people that go in, you know, that's the new wave, that's new people, but now 
everybody is doing it. Right. That's the part I'm wondering, is that going to now carry over yeah. much more? Well, that's a great question, Dave. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. I will tell you that, um, remember the old saying, how are you going to keep them down on the farm once they've been to the big city? Yeah, right. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, once people have figured this out, will we see more organizations and corporations go to uh, flex time or remote uh, there you are. Remote working hours. I think we. I think we will only because we're going to figure out how to make it work. So you know, could we see a four day, or a three day, or a four day work week in the U.S. with the other day or two being done from home? Yeah, it's possible because I think we'll figure out what you can and can't do. If you look at well, some I mean, of the I research. Think to your- well, to your point, my brother, my brother and I was talking last night. You talked, you mentioning talking with family, and he said that his wife's work had given her a computer in January, so she could work one day a week because they wanted to try it out. Now, what's going to be the norm, as you just said? Yeah, uh, I think you know. I mean, obviously, there are some jobs. You know, we don't have the robots yet who can stock the grocery store shelves. We don't have the robots completely yet who can assemble an automobile i mean there there's some work that's, that's going to need human beings and by the way we don't have the robots yet that have that can actually figure out how to clean a, non-sta- <laughs> a non-standard space i mean if if let's face it if, if we had classrooms where all the chairs and the desks were bolted to the floors and nothing could move and you know everything looked the same We'd have a robot. We'd have software that could go in and clean it. And the only instruction we'd give to students is make sure those desktops are empty at night because when the robot comes in, they're going to sweep everything off. You know, we could do that. But as long as we continue to work in collaborative spaces where we want the flexibility to, you know, move around, uh, you know, we're not going to have robots that are going to be able to clean non-standard areas. Um, so there are some jobs that are just going to require human beings because the human being is the only one with the complexity, the, the cognitive complexity to be able to do that kind of work. But when it comes to, um, knowledge-based work and more and more of what we do as a society is becoming knowledge-based work. So when it comes to knowledge-based work, where basically your, your capital is human beings instead of machines, uh, do you really care where that human being is? Um, I'll give you an example. We got a guy, uh, he took a class from me at our university who teaches in our uh, computer gaming major. Uh, boy, and by the way, you talk about a course that could go online tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Teaching people how to write programs, right? Uh, right. But he was telling me this summer, um, you know, when you go to see one of the, the blockbuster movies, the... the uh, Avengers movies or, or actually any, just about any movie today that's done with computer graphics. He said, you know, most of that stuff's being done in China and in India. If you look at the names of the programmers, and he said that's because the labor rates are lower and the studios have discovered that they can get more programming at a lower cost if they, you know, if they offshore it. So do you really care where the programmer is who's writing the software? Um, you know, I mean, then most of them we have no idea. Yeah, and that's a form of knowledge-based work. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but every once in a while, you know, when I've called up to change a, a airline reservation or something like that, and I get the call center, just out of curiosity, because that's the kind of guy I am, I'll just sit there and say, to him, if I can ask, where are you right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're in, you know, uh, Kolkata, India, or they're in, you know, Manila in the Philippines. And 
you know what? As long as you change my flight and get it correct, I don't freaking care where you are. Right. And I think is when we so when we've got knowledge based work, do you really care where they are as long as the work gets done? Probably not. And I think we're going to find more opportunities to do that. A and B, we know that that's something that millennials and probably the iGen folks are going to want. So and, why not? And your point is that what we've been doing here at the academy, we're knowledge based. Yep. You know, they don't care where I'm at, just as we are talking this afternoon. We've had some people come on and off of the live uh, podcast. Uh, I think this is Bob Sr.'s on the line. So, Bob, if you have a question for Aaron, go ahead and throw it up there for us. Um, you know, the, that's the thing in what we do here. So, we're talking with the cleaning industry, and I'm seeing all kinds of stuff coming out. Um, yeah, I saw a good one, Aaron. You'll appreciate this. Uh, my housekeeper is working remotely. She's going to call you and tell you what to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I will say this. If, if there's one thing I've learned to appreciate about uh, the Internet and, and you know, being interconnected, uh, I got to give people points for their sense of humor through all this because there, there has been some incredibly funny stuff that's been going around. So good for them. That, that's a great line. I'm gonna, I like that one. <laughs> I, did, I did too. On the other side of that flip coin, I saw something come out of New York that was just simply appalling uh, to the fact of the people that are uh, being asked to take care of these situations. Everybody else go home. But all of you need to be here. And by the way, the only thing we're going to give you is a pair of gloves. Oh, gee. Now, that's the other side of that flip coin. And so there are both sides of this. So um, I, I've got to uh, talk because, uh, you know, one of the things we're going to do every afternoon, uh, Aaron, so just kind of flow with me here a little bit because we've got a bunch of questions that came in for some from some people over the last 24 hours. And, and and in talking about what you just did, somebody asked a question about how should I wipe a surface? And I thought this was interesting. And I was watching a news article this morning on uh, one of the channels, as we all are doing. And here is some advice. So uh, anybody that's listening, if you're listening to the recorded or if you're live with us right now, there is a proper way to wipe a surface. Now, we're not talking about what with as far as microfiber what chemical but a proper procedure proper way to do it because here's the thing most people when they're wiping a surface surface wipe in a circle mm -hmm. and what happens as you're doing that you're creating um if you will an upturn in the air so as you go in a circle you're creating and i don't want to say a tornado but just a little bit of an upturn and so any particulate that is on that surface during that process, you're creating uh, an upturn and pushing it into the air. And then this becomes a respiratory issue. Mm -hmm. And so the direction, especially during uh, the COVID-19 crisis, is that you wipe in one direction, not in a circle. So you either wipe from left to right or from right to left. And here's an interesting thing, because I've done a lot of ATP measuring over my career. And whenever I go and do an ATP count to show the uh, performance of the meter or of, mm -hmm. the, of the process, mm -hmm. I always do exactly the same thing because wiping back and forth cross-contaminates. And so, folks, if you're listening, 
one of the things, and, and this goes for whether you're in a commercial building, which is what who we're talking to, but even if you're at home, Aaron, these are things oh, yeah. that we should be doing at home. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, you know, cause we've talked before, I tell people all the time, I paid my way through school as a janitor and that was one thing we always knew and learned is yeah, when you, when you sprayed the desk or when you, the surface, whatever it happened to the bathroom surface, you always went right down the line. And normally what I would do is I would pull from back to front. So, Aaron, we've got uh, several people on the line with us live this afternoon, and we have a question here. Uh, one of our listeners says, panic on alcohol sanitizer. The CDC says an antiseptic hand soap um, does just as good a job. Wants to know my thoughts. Um, Aaron, you have any thoughts, and then I'll finish it? Well, I'll, I'll give you the, can I give you the humor one, the funny one? But it's sure, you go for serious. it, go for it, Aaron, that's go for serious. it. Um, we just had this conversation with some folks in the Jansan industry because, uh, and actually I had this conversation with uh, a woman who runs the health club that we belong to, which of course is shut down right now. But she said, you know, they were told or they had an email that was sent out that said, look, if you're jammed, you know, the active ingredient is alcohol, go to the and this was before we shut the stores down, but it was go to the drugstore. And the ratio was you buy uh, rubbing alcohol and aloe vera lotion, and the ratio was three to one. And you can make your own hand sanitizer. Three parts aloe vera, one part uh, rubbing alcohol, because the alcohol is the active ingredient that kills the thing. So we got to talking about that, and somebody showed me, now you can probably find it on YouTube, but, and after we got done laughing at it, one of the, experts in the room said, you know, that would actually work. So it was a joke commercial that somebody had done where they took Everclear, oh, which, is, gosh. which is like 180 proof, which means it's 90% alcohol. Right. And said, you know, you can rub Ever, Everclear on your hands and it's going to kill anything because it's 90% alcohol. But the problem is the alcohol dries out your hands. But they, we actually had uh, a person from one of, I won't do a promotional plug here, but it was a uh, uh, technician from one of the uh, hand soap companies was there and she said yeah that'll work she said you know because it's the alcohol is the active ingredient so the only problem is alcohol dries your hands out like mad so you got to put the lotion back on it but if, if all you're doing looking to do is kill germs you know Smirnoff or, or Everclear would do it for you and if it doesn't kill the germs a few shots and you won't have to worry about your hands so you know well, well, to your point, point uh, Tito's Vodka had put out a deal that their vodka would not kill and we couldn't use it that way. Um, the, there's several different distilleries that are now can't sell beer. They can't uh, have people in the building. And so what they're doing is they're actually distilling and they're making some product as you're talking about. Now, commercially, we can't sell that. Right. And so, you know, commercially, my, uh, to address this question, is commercially, no, you can't do that. But here's the thing. Going to all of this effort for instant hand sanitizer, which should not be used in the case of soap and water. But right. yet, what do we have people doing? They wash their hands with soap and water, then they give a shot of alcohol. That's totally uncalled for. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. Uh, hand soap does just as good a job as an antiseptic. There's yep. no need to use an antiseptic hand soap. Um, it's all for, if you will, perception. 
You know, we mm -hmm. perceive that because it says antiseptic and it has a kill factor on it, that it's going to do better. Here's the, here's the point. You will do much better to go and wash your hands every single hour with soap and water. Now, remember, when I say wash your hands, there's a protocol for washing your hands. Right. That's not just running water over the fingertips and put a little bit of squirt of soap on there. Uh, I was talking with a, a doctor uh, the other day. And he says, you know, we had to go and scrub and scrub our fingernails with a brush and everything. We're not talking that extent, right. but we are talking about, you've got to go over your wrist, folks. You can't just do this in the palm of your hand. So proper hand washing, do that for the 20 seconds that you're supposed to do. Now, here's the reason I tell you to do it once every hour. And this is a challenge I'm going to put to everybody that's listening to our podcast this afternoon. Every single hour, you go and wash your hands. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care. You just put it on your on your clock, on your on your uh, phone, because you got it there. You just put a reminder every hour. And here's the reason why. Every hour you touch your face 19 times. Mm -hmm. Whatever your hands have come in contact, you're now going to put that to the two places where most infections enter the body. That's your nose and your mouth. Yep. Don't, don't need instant hand sanitizer. Yep. Don't need antiseptic. I just need more frequency. And I think this is the change that I see coming is the value of the, the cleaning personnel, the, the service personnel is going to go up because we're going to recognize how often we should be doing something. So the frequencies, I think, are you going to see go up? Boy, I hope so. I mean, that's boy, that, that is great, great advice, Dave. That's a great comment. Um, if it if it changes our behavior in that way, that, that suddenly we're all far more conscious about what we've got to do to, to spread, stop the spread of some of viral infections, that can't be anything but beneficial for us. So I would I would hope that people will be doing this enough that afterwards we'll see a change. But to your point, you know, I don't know about some of your listeners' facilities, et cetera, but I know at our university the crew comes in at night and cleans. Hey, maybe we ought to have somebody during the day. There's yeah. my point. There's my point. You know, how many times during the day? You know, we used to have day porters. We got rid of them. We used to clean a building, you know, six times or five times a week. Now we're doing it two times a week. I think you're going to have to see this all start to come back to where it should have been. We've gotten into this, um, you know, doing too little by my, by, by my view and I think we're going to be paid for that. This is changing. You know, I, I flew up to O'Hare. I had to go to a place in Chicago last week. And I said, it was the safest flight I've ever been on. <laughs> you and one other people on the flight crew? There you go. The thing is, is I got on there at 630 in the morning. The plane had just come out of the hangar and had been, I mean, it was totally yeah. perfect. Yeah, I came back at four o'clock in the afternoon and the seats, the buckles were actually in place. There was no trash in the in the pocket in front of me. Everything was was taken care of. And here's the interesting thing talking about behavior this afternoon, Aaron. I got out my wipes like I always do mm -hmm. and wiped everything. And somebody else asked me for a wipe instead of looking at me like I was some you know zombie from outer space. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That's significant. 
Well, I think like that's, I said, the, you know, that's we, the behavior I'm talking about this afternoon. Will we, will, how much of this behavior we're going through now, as you said, because it's a one-off thing, will actually start to transfer? Well, Dave, you know, as you know, when you and I first met, mm-hmm. uh, and we had that wonderful conversation that <laughs> night in Atlanta uh, about, you know, why do we clean the floor? And there were two reasons, health and safety, health and safety health and safety. And we've been saying that, you've been saying that for how many years? And people sort of nod and they, yeah, 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 we get uh-huh. it. But, but now how can I lower my cost? Well, okay, now we guess what we've just discovered, that there's a cost to health and there's a cost to safety. And, and I think we knew about the safety one because everybody was afraid of the lawsuit, but I think now maybe, hopefully, we figured out that there's a, a real significant cost to having a healthy workforce. And like I said, if this changes behavior, because I say, I, every time when I'm teaching a night class and I'm coming in at night and I'm going out at night, there's the crew and they, they do a fine job on our building. I'm, they, they really do. God bless them for being there every night and, and showing up and doing their work. But when I'm teaching my day classes and I finish my two o'clock class and I stop by the men's room on the way out and there's water all over the top of the sink from who knows who was there last, you know, and I'm just, because I was a janitor, I just, no, this is not acceptable. What's going on here, people? But Correct. I know what the deal is. We're not going to pay for them to come in and keep the place clean during the day. Maybe we'll do that now. And maybe we'll figure out that, uh, that there's a real value to having safe, clean spaces. Well, and, and I think, Aaron, thank you for remembering what we talked about that evening and have since then. Um, for those of you that have not seen it, uh, I'll just go kind of uh, give you a little bit of an idea. On the back of my business card, a phrase that I trademarked several years ago, long before these issues became what they are today, I trademarked a phrase and put it on my card. I, I, I won't say I live by it, but I am motivated by it every day, and hopefully it will inspire other people. And it simply says, in very short words, I am a janitor, and I save lives. Amen. The, the, the value of that now is reaching a, a height that even I did not anticipate when I put that on there. But you are correct, Aaron. Everything that we do here at the Academy has one single focus first, and that is to protect the health and the life of the frontline worker. Yep. And the frontline hotel guest and the frontline airline passenger and the frontline, you know, you name it. I mean, that's if, if we get nothing out of it, out of this whole mess, but that lesson, it'll have been in a, in a bizarre way. I would say it'll have been worth it. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think we've gotten lazy over the years. You know, I can deal with clutter because I can move clutter around. Correct. I, I can't I can't deal with filth. And, okay, so and, I've got another yeah, question that came that. in here. Good. Yeah, so. you can't deal with filth, but that's a personal choice, though. Yep. Uh, whenever it comes to a commercial buildings we take care of, that's our job. But maybe as a society, we're getting to the point now where people are, you know, I, well, let's put it this way. That old thing about, you know, if this bathroom is unacceptable, please notify someone. There you are. I'll bet, I'll bet a lot more people are going to be notifying someone in the next couple of months. <laughs> well, and that means, and then it goes back to your point. Maybe we need a day porter that's there more frequently now. Yeah, why not? 
So this this next question falls into exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, this is from a contractor uh, asking a couple of questions. So I'm going to go with one first and then the second one. Um, it says, what should I do when I go from one office to another or maybe from one hotel to a doctor's office as a cleaning company? And um, they're actually talking about their equipment that they're moving from a facility to facility. And mm. so as I wrote some protocols this week, I actually addressed a couple of these whenever we're talking about going into a building. Um, so you've got, you've got to actually think about what, what we're dealing with here in as far as the cross-contamination from the worker to an object. Their cleaning equipment can be the mode of transportation when we're talking this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I did is I said on and here, I, I told the lady, I said, you've got to think about this. Whenever your cleaning professional goes in the facility, we don't want them just starting to do their work. If they go into the facility and they, what should they do? They should wash their hands, put on their gloves because we don't want what they had the last time coming into the new one. Okay. So the next thing they do, go to their supply closet. So if you're talking decontamination and infection prevention, we want to then take care of our service area first. I mean, I look at a lot of these janitor closets and supply closets, <laughs> the employee area. Holy my, I can't say the word, but you know, we've got to take care of this area first because that's our point of central of contamination because we've now went to every place and we brought it back to there. So folks, what I'm telling you, start with that place first. Then what I said is if that employee is going to be there for a period of hours, and they're going to have a break or they're going to go to the restroom, the first areas that you want to decontaminate are the break area, their service area, the restroom that they are going to use. And she was like, I never thought of it that way. I said, so think about this. If you're the one going around trying to decontaminate the place, don't you want the place that you're using to be not contaminated? I was watching a deal on a, on TV where the they were t showing a school being closed down and the workers were doing their job. I'm not going to get into what they were doing because they were doing it all wrong by what I can <laughs> saw. But the thing was, is what most people didn't see is there was a person walked through the uh, picture who had no gloves on, no mask on. But yet the service workers had gloves and masks on doing the cleaning and disinfection, we hope. But think about this. If there's somebody in that facility and your workers are doing this, should not everybody in there be doing the same thing so that they're not cross-contaminating or recontaminating or not? Do you understand what I'm saying, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, it, it makes about as much sense as... as you know, having somebody walk in with a filthy bucket of, of, you know, water from the last room into the new room. Absolutely. And so that's the point. Why would so, I do that? Yeah, well, this is the protocols that we've been doing. And now we're looking at what are we been, have we been doing? You and I talked about this. That first meeting was, yep. why am I spreading dirt around with a dirty bucket? Right. 
you know, and, and today we're, we're re-examining those things, which is what we've been teaching here at the academy for years. Now we're all waking up to it. Um, so the other question was, what was the best practice for disinfecting equipment? Um, I'm not sure that she's asking about what type of equipment or if we should be disinfecting our equipment. And so I'm going to kind of go for both. Okay. Short answer, yes. You should always be disinfecting your equipment. But remember, right. it is a surface just like any other surface. So to disinfect that piece of equipment properly, you have to first pre-clean it, and then you have to apply disinfectant to it and let it sit, depending on what you're trying to kill, the prescribed time that's on the label. Not what you want to do, but what is on the label. Because, folks, this is exactly what we're talking about, Aaron. This is life and death stuff. I think people have finally gotten that message. Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> yes, we would. Um, and so I'm going to go follow up there again. She says, is there a class for understanding and using electrostatic spraying technology? Yes, there is. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have it, but at the academy, we have classes and we're building even more classes uh, for just about everything that we can think of, because if you feel that you need it, it is there. Uh, I actually have got some calls already, Aaron, this week that it's being required by a few facilities. So to your point, I think our behavior is starting to change because we're saying, mm -mm, nope, you got to have this certificate. You got to know what you're doing. Oh, man, I hope so. Um, I mean, I, I, Dave, ever since, and I, that was, you know, one of those life changing moments for me because, uh, that conversation we had, but I tell people, I said, man, I, I thought I used to look at things differently because I'd been a janitor, but I said, after I talked to, after I talked to you, I, I mean, that was a game changer for me. And if you're not unbelievably busy and booked up in the next few People don't get it because they're, you know, we're just flirting with the next, next disaster. So this is, um, you have been ahead of the curve on this, my friend, and uh, kudos to you for having done that. I think the, uh, the challenge will be, you know, how do we not go back? How do we not fall back into our old habits and say, you know, hey guys, it's, this, is, this needs to be a new world. We need to spend the time. We need to spend the effort because it is people's lives we're talking about. And I think everybody understands that now. The question is whether it'll stick. You know, the, um, the whole issue with certification, uh, Daryl Hicks and I were uh, doing a COVID-19 class about 10 days ago, uh, right at the onset of all of this. And one of the things that, that he put in his presentation, which I thought was very good, is he says, can you drive down the street legally without a driver's license? <laughs> you know, uh, do you have to have proof of insurance? And what is the reason for both of those? And when you really think about it, just as you said about mopping the floor, the reason that these are requirements is to save lives. Because if everybody could just drive around and didn't have to have insurance and everybody, anybody could get in there, how many lives are going to be, you know, at jeopardy? So I think what we're talking about this afternoon, Aaron, is, yes, we have classes. If you feel that you want to market your business differently, 
this is why you get a certificate. The certificate doesn't do anything for you. And Aaron, I tell people this all the time. The certificates we hand out is only verification that you went through a class and you retained enough information to take the exam. Right. I mean, quite honestly, I'm, you know, I know I here I am live saying that that's all the value I have. It's <laughs> what do you do with that information after that, folks? Right. Uh, you know, it, I mean, I've heard this uh, many times over the years. It's like, you know, if if I have a uh, set of golf clubs and they're the very best that make me a pro golfer. Yes, if you use them right. Yeah. Well <laughs> you said. Know? So to her point, yes, you need to disinfect the equipment. You need to have the right equipment. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, the equipment's not going to do it. You've got to do your part. Uh, we talked about uh, electrostatic. We talked about that. Um, one of the other questions, Aaron, and this is back to certifications, what certification do I have to have? Is the accredited infection prevention expert class sufficient, or do I need specific certification for COVID-19? Uh, I'm not mentioning names here, folks. I'm just saying I have not seen a COVID-19 certification class specifically. And as you can understand, being in the education field for infection prevention, I am looking everywhere. To my knowledge, it does not exist as of today because COVID-19 really is just another human coronavirus, just the well as influenza or norovirus and several others. Uh, coronavirus is nothing new. Uh, if you think about the influenza uh, back to 1918 and the 50 million people that died from it, you know, we've had human coronavirus around for 100 years or more. And I hate to burst everybody's bubble that may be listening to this, but this virus will be here long after all of us on the planet today are gone. Right. That's what viruses do. They live, right. they go on, they will. All that we can do is prevent, as we've been talking this afternoon, prevent them from in, in invading us to a point to where we can't. And I, I think what we have seen in the behavior, Aaron, this afternoon, if we would have in 1918 had what we have today in the ability to know and recognize and would have been there when it first happened, 50 million people wouldn't have died in that year. Oh, I think that's, that's very clear. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, our tech, the ability of technology to communicate information in ways we've never had before. I mean, this is certainly all, uh, this is working to our advantage in this, in this particular case. I'm, I'm like you a little bit. I, I'm trying to look at it and I say, you know, we, and again, this is what 64 years will do to you. I say, well, let's see, I, I made it through SARS. I made it through the Asian bird flu. I made it through MERS. I made it through the swine Ebola. flu. Ebola. You know, we made it through all of that and we're still here. Right. Uh, this is another variation. I, I get, I get what everyone's saying that this is uh, seems to be a particularly virulent or nasty strain mm -hmm. of it that's going around right now. I certainly get that. But then right. at the same time, what was the uh, what was the twenty two thousand nine? We had the swine flu that crossed into San Diego from Mexico, and then what was that? Something like. Like uh, 100 million Americans got it and 300,000 Americans died, and we didn't hear anything about that. Well, our technology is better today, and we're able to communicate better today, and we know more than we did. Uh, so, 
you're right. This is, it's another one. It's nasty uh, if we get on this early, but I'm with you. If this doesn't create a long-term change in behavior, then when the next mutation occurs in five or six, seven years, you know, it came through birds, came through pigs. Now we're hearing this one might have come through bats. You know, okay, there's enough animals in the world that, you know, it'll mutate into something else. If we don't change our behavior and start getting with what you've been preaching, Dave, which is, for heaven's sakes, people, cleaning is not just about aesthetics. It is about health first safety second and if we don't get if that message just gets lost shame on us because we we will have failed ourselves and and future generations so i'm a manager of a cleaning operation or you know and i'm not saying a a contract or in-house how do i manage behavior today to motivate it to be better in the future, recognizing what's going on. Scoa, I've been trying to talk with people about chart down what you're doing now, recognize what you're doing now. Don't just do, but make notes, keep track of that. What wouldn't I need to do to change the behavior as a manager for the future? Uh, help me out a little bit, Dave. What what behavior are we talking about? The the, the customer's behavior or the, my, my worker's behaviors? Well, you and I have talked, we have to change our behavior before we can change our customer's behavior. So let's go that way. Okay. Um, You know, forgive me, because this one's going to sound really stupid, but it's in the the book. And and I said that because when I first heard it, I thought, oh, come on, really? But uh, my co-author, Steve Fairbanks, who's just a super guy uh, of our book, Performance-Based Strategy, he, he wanted to put this in the book, and I was initially thinking oh come on really steve you really want to do that and then all of a sudden by golly it works so he calls it the 10 quarter rule uh and what he does in the morning if there's a behavior he's working on and it might be i need to compliment my i need to compliment my staff more i don't i don't i don't give enough compliments to my staff i don't say thank you enough what he does in the morning is he puts 10 quarters in his left pocket And every time during the day when he compliments a member of his staff, he gets to move a quarter from his left pocket to his right pocket. And his goal at the end of the day is to have all the quarters in the right pocket. Now, I'm too cheap to use quarters. I wound up using nickels. (laughs) Well, not only that, but 10 quarters is a little heavier than 10 nickels. It's a little heavy. Yeah, nickels are a little lighter. You jingle all day long, though, Eric. But you know what, Dave? It sounds stupid at first, but dang if it doesn't work. But you're talking you know? about changing personal behavior, and, it's, and, and, and so much of it is so very easy to do if we just do it. So, yeah. So, what, what I would say to people is, let, let, let's take just what we're talking here about basic cleanliness, right? Okay. Put 10 nickels in your left pocket when you leave the house in the morning. This will be in three or four months when our lives are back to semi-normal. Yeah. And when you go to work... Every time you wash your hands, move a nickel from the left hand to the right hand, to the right pocket. Guess what? Okay. At the end of the day, within a couple of weeks, you'll have washed your hands 10 times. And once you do that for three weeks in a row, you won't need the nickels anymore. It'll become part, it'll be a ritual, it'll become habit, it'll become part of your lifestyle. You'll just do it. Okay, but, so I'm going to challenge that's everybody. What it takes to change it. For heaven's sakes, nickels, quarters, dimes, whatever works for you, do something like that to, to force the change. 
So if, if we do what we were both talked about this afternoon, so let's just do, use a blend of the two of our conversations, all right? Sure. Every hour they're supposed to wash their hands with soap and water. Yep. So that means they move a nickel. Yep. So in an eight-hour day, you should have done that at least eight times, and also once when you came in and once before you leave. That's ten times in an eight-hour day. There you go. So there's your 10 nickels. Just that simple. Okay. So you you know what? We need to start that. We we need to start a new challenge, right? How do we do this, Aaron? I Um, mean, people have done, they did the bucket challenge, right? You know? Yeah. You know, where the, you know, and everything. So what we're saying here, uh, we're always trying to, so what do we call this? The nickel challenge? The 10 nickel challenge. The 10 nickel challenge. It'll cost you 50 cents. It'll cost you 50 cents. <laughs> It'll cost you 50 cents to figure out what the 10 nickel challenge is. <laughs> but, and by the way, be sure you clean those nickels before you put them in your pocket. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah, I agree with that. All right. But, but, it, I, it, but you know, I know like this I said, sounds... when, when I first saw that, I thought, oh, really? You want to put that in this book? And then I did it and it, it worked. And I thought, boy, he's Steve's a one smart guy. <laughs> It's okay, so we've got several like people online with us. I know some people have come on and off. We're talking with Aaron. Uh, Dr. Aaron's been on the line with us numerous times. We're talking about uh, COVID-19, changing human behavior, and we just came up with the most brilliant plan of the afternoon. <laughs> the, ten, the 10 nickel <laughs> challenge, the 10 nickel challenge for washing hands, or, or yeah. should we say for staying safe? safe. Staying safe. We're going to have to come up now. How do we how do we put this out? Do we just start something on Facebook and just put it up there and show ten nickels? Or uh, you and I are going to have to get off air here and we're going to have to brainstorm because I really want to do let's, this. Let's write it up. Let's throw it out on the Facebook site and and you you reach an awful lot of people through your uh, podcast through the Academy, Dave. I think if we start this thing and we get this thing going and it's the ten nickel challenge, the ten nickel process, you know, by golly. Believe it or not, that would actually help slow the spread. Sure it would. And people don't get that something that simple would actually do it, but it works. But, n- but now it's got to be with soap and water. It can't be with instant hand sanitizer. It's got to be with soap right. and water. Right. So what else is a manager? Okay, so we got our brainstorm here. You know, this is why I love a live podcast. I would have never figured this out otherwise. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah, I, I, I love it when br- makes it work. It, it, Absolutely. And, and somebody said, why are you doing this live? It's because it's the, 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 and this is what we do is the exchange of information. And even though we're, you know, m- hundreds of miles apart and we're self-isolating ourselves, we still can do this. Yep. Okay. How else do I want to go about changing behavior of my crew? I think, it, well, before I change my crew, I've got to, I, I would my position would be we got to change the customer's mindset first okay? because it's going to be way too easy for people to go back into that. Um, yeah. Okay. It's over. Let's, you know, everything goes back to normal and, you know, cleaning, cleaning the building once a day will be fine. And that's just going to set us up for the next one. We're going to fall right back into our old routines. Um, hopefully people are getting the message that this is about health. This is about saving lives. And I'm, I'm reminded of years ago, a story when, uh, I don't know if this was 
Dr. Deming or who, but it was one of the guys who was big in the whole total quality management program. Deming, Duran, Crosby, one of those guys. And they were contracted to work with the Air Force because the Air Force wanted to apply the principles of total quality management to what they did. And so whichever one of these quality gurus was in there working with the Air Force was looking at them and said, well, you know, based on what you're, the process you're showing me, you need to do this, 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 and this. And they said, oh, that's, that's, that's going to take too much. It's too complex. You know, our people never do it. Have you got something simpler? Hmm. And, and he kind of blinked and he looked at him for a moment. And he said, okay, let me just ask you one question. How many, how many pilots are you willing to lose? Oh. And they kind of looked at him and he said, you know, I, I, we can do it simpler. But, you know, every time you do, you're going to lose some pilots. So just you tell me what the number is. And if you say, well, if we're okay losing 25% of our pilots, then I'll give you a process so that only 25% of your pilots will lose in combat. And they looked and said, well, well, we don't want to lose any. He said, well, okay, then this is the process that you've got to lose. And, and, and I, I think that's where we've got to shift the customer's mindset is to say, instead of talking about, well, how much is it going to cost to clean my facility? Time out. You tell me how many people you're okay with how many days of work do you want them to miss? How many, how many people do you want to get sick in your facility? You tell me what that number is, and then I'll tell you how to clean your facility. And put the monkey on their back to begin to say, you know, you need to think differently about your building, right? It's, it's not, the, when we talk about the total cost to clean, and unfortunately, we talk about the word cost comes first. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about, well, you know, you, you tell me how many people you're okay with, with losing, and I'll tell you what it's going to cost to clean your building. Change I saw the conversation. I, and, and this goes to, of course, I'm in Florida, so I don't know if you saw this. Probably not, because I think it was specific to Florida transportation. But there was a public service announcement about the amount of pedestrians that get killed on Florida highways. And, of course, they're trying to bring awareness to the fact. And so they were interviewing a gentleman, and he said, how many lives are, uh, and I can't, so I apologize, folks, I butcher this a little bit, but it was, how many lives are acceptable to be lost uh, due to hit and run in the state? And he says, well, maybe 50 and so what comes around the corner was 50 members of his family. And you saw the expression on his face was just like he went white as a sheet and everything. And, and he looks at the guy and, and he says, that's my family. He says, now what's your feeling? He says, zero. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're talking about here. Why is it that we have to go through, Aaron, something this traumatic before we're willing to change our habit? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know. We've talked for years. I talked in the uh, managerial intelligence book about the difference between strategic leadership and crisis leadership. And um, I'll, I'll tell you what I think we've learned, Dave, a little bit, though. It's um, and we talked about this in one of the previous podcasts together about, you know, how how we learn our behaviors in the first place. And this this process of we call generic mobility, separating and attaching. 
And the problem is getting people to separate, quite frankly. All right. It's, it, it's not hard getting people to adopt new ways of doing things. It's getting them to give up their old ways of doing things. And, yeah. and so here we are in the midst of this. Uh, but the nice thing about a crisis, if there is such a thing as a nice thing in a crisis, the nice <laughs> thing about a crisis is the one thing that is apparent to everyone in the crisis is that we can't hang on to the old ways of doing things. So they're ready to, mentally, psychologically, they're ready to separate now. People are willing to listen. Now, I don't, I don't kid myself. I mean, it, this, we're not going to solve all the world's problems here. I mean, it's just, you know, I've I, I talked to students before and said, you know, oh, I could, I could end traffic deaths tomorrow. And they kind of look at me and I said, I'm just going to impose a mandatory speed limit of 10 miles an hour in the United States. And we're going to put speed governors on all the automobiles so they can't go above 10 miles an hour. And I've just, I've just ended all the traffic deaths. But I said, on the other hand, nobody in Peoria wants to take 20 hours to drive from Peoria to Chicago. So as a society, we make those trade-offs all the time. We get it. We're going to let people go 70 on the highway. And the trade-off is we're going to lose some people as a result of that. Okay, we understand that. And that's, that's what we look to government. That's what we look to leaders to do is, you know, you tell us what you think the trade-offs are. And if we think you're wrong, we'll vote you out of office. But when it comes to something like this, hopefully, hopefully, the good news is that people are looking at it and saying, well, we can't go back to the way it was because we don't want to go through this again. So they will separate from those old ways of doing things. And then when you come in and talk to them and you begin to have a conversation and say, okay, so, so if we don't want to go back to 2020, here's what we need to do. Hopefully they've separated from the pre-2020 days and, and we, can we can have that conversation now. People will hopefully hear it in a way they've never heard it before. That's what I'm hoping for. This is a live broadcast today, but we are recording it. And I'm just thinking here, as you said that, and you said here pre-2020, you know, I'm sitting here wondering who's going to be listening to this in another six years when the next outbreak happens. Because if you've kind of watched this, about every six years, we have another one of these things that happens to come along. And so yeah. uh, they're, they're going to be listening to this or uh, in, in, uh, on a podcast somewhere. People pick it up and go, really? They were talking about that in 2020? <laughs> uh, like it was something new. And I think that's what we're talking about here. We have been talking with Dr. Aaron uh, for now almost an hour. I think this is probably one of our longest podcasts for, uh, well, this year probably. But, you know, the thing is, is we're going to do this every afternoon at 1 o'clock. There's no time frame on this show. We usually try to shut it off at about 45 minutes, but this is a unique time. And as long as there's people on the line and they want to hear and they send questions, Aaron, do you have any place you have to go? No. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I wanted to see what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, I can't but, go anywhere. It's all closed. <laughs> absolutely. But this is the problem. Almost every podcast I'm doing, it's like, oh, no, no, I got to go this. I got to do this yeah. and everything. And and now everything is just slowed down. Now, I know in the cleaning industry, we're going slowed down. Heck no, it yeah. isn't slowed down. But yet, how many of us in this industry are doing exactly what you and I are doing? And we're not out and about 
we're going to wait until I heard somebody says I wait till two o'clock in the morning to go to the grocery store. Well, now you can't because the grocery store is closed in, during the night now. Yeah. They're not open 24 hours. Yep. Yep. Behavior's going to change. It will. It has. Well, it already has. I mean, it's just a matter of whether they will become new habits for us. You know, one of the questions I got overnight was, um, do you have, and I think this was one of the questions that they were asking uh, other people, not that they wanted it from us, but they were asking, what we need to have is a retrievable copy of our standard operating procedures and our training documents. You know what? I have preached this for, gosh, I can't tell you how long. And this is what I find most generally with cleaning operations is they don't have these. They couldn't retrieve it if their life depended on it. But yet now I'm getting the calls. Do you have a certification for this? Do I have this? Can I get that? And I think this is where they're starting to come in. I don't know what I'm doing, but somebody wants to verify that I do. And this is going to change the behavior. Well, like I said, I, I hope so because we've we've been skating way too long i think as a society without thinking about this and and how what we do affects others and uh you know thank goodness we for years we've had uh cleaning crews and staffs in place to try to in a sense protect us from one another uh, and now hopefully we'll take a little more responsibility and and realize that we need to do what we can not just for our own personal hygiene, but for the health and the safety of one another. I see we've had some people come on and off, and I see some people have been staying on with us. Uh, does anybody that's live on the um, podcast with us, does anybody have any further questions? If so, I'd like to get those answered before we let Aaron get off and go to his living room and get a Coke. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but a little too early in the day for that, Aaron. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, and, and this is, is I mean, you know, um, and you, we talk about this. We go into facilities and, I, you know, we, we get into crowded facilities and we don't think about somebody was asking me on uh, yesterday's podcast. What about an elevator? And I said, what about it? Decontaminate everything in there, not just the touch buttons. Everybody's so focused on the touch points. I said, think of this, in an elevator, if somebody uh, coughs, the <laughs> yeah. droplet moisture goes three to five feet. If they sneeze, it goes 160 feet. What area in that elevator is not a contact point? So, uh, Bob, thank you very much. We understand that you got to go. Uh, we're probably going to wrap up here in a minute, but thank you for the vote of confidence. Uh, good information. We will be doing this live again tomorrow. So if you didn't get it all today, you didn't get your question ans answered, I got a message from LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Zachary wants to come on the show. Couldn't make it today. Hopefully, Zachary, you'll be with us tomorrow. Um, but this is it. Whenever you talk about these areas, you've got to really think, Aaron, before you touch surfaces, just think about what might have happened before. And remember the nickel challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's cool. That's it's cool. The easy one. Yeah. Well, my son and I are avid golfers, and uh, we hope to be down there golfing 
Florida there, Dave, but obviously that didn't come through. But nice thing about golf is it's an outdoor activity, and we actually got out this week, et cetera. But I told him I was reading a blog today from Golf Magazine, and one of the things they said is, hey, it's a great outdoor activity. By definition, it's a social distance. If you've ever watched me play golf, I tend to have a lot of social distance with my game. Uh, <clears throat> but again, to your point about things you don't think about, and they were talking about what courses are doing to try to keep people healthy, like wiping down the, the carts, which is, you know, the obvious one. But they said even little things, like there are some public courses out, I guess, on the West Coast where they don't put the cup all the way in the ground anymore. They leave about an inch of it out and they say, look, if your ball hits the cup, it's in. Just pick up your ball and move on. Don't reach into the cup to get your ball. If you're going to reach into the cup, reach in with your hand that's wearing the golf glove. And for heaven's sakes, don't grab the pin and take it out of the cup because you don't know who grabbed the pin before you. Oh and, my you know, gosh. All these, all these little things, right, that you never think about. Right. And fortunately, they changed the rules of the pin in the. Take it out. Well, you're 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 yeah so, you're so right. And when I did write in the protocol for decontamination of uh, educational facilities, is I showed a picture of the sporting goods room. Oh, yeah. You know the huh. the sport equipment, and I said the, these are contaminant points. The, these have got to be processed. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, you think, think the, the 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 baseball, the bat, the helmet, the the mitten, you know, e even the. You know, you, you think about things like, oh, well, the wrestling mat, maybe. Yeah. You think about the bleachers. Yep. But do you ever think about the baseball gloves? Yep. Oh, no, no, no. That that guy wears it all the time. Who collects those gloves and puts them in? And then where is the, the, the you know, I was a bench warmer for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Laugh about that one. Uh, but, you know, my job was to take all of that out and put it all out there. Right. You know, while that was a personal thing, it still had social contact. And this right. is how these pathogens transfer back and forth. Yep. So, yeah. I any, don't, fi you know, any final words, Aaron, on behavior? Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 for today, because I'm sure that'll change. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, my thing has been, look, don't, don't live in fear. We've made it this far. Like you said, we've made it through. We've made it through pretty serious things in the past. Do not live in fear. We will get through this, uh, but for heaven's sakes, let's let's have this make us smarter. Uh, you know, uh, some common sense precautions uh, are just going to go a long, long ways. And if this does nothing but cause us to start to rethink uh, some of our basic habits and and change those behaviors, then it will at least have accomplished some something good will have come out of it. I, I agree with you. Something good is going to come out of this. Uh, today, we don't know exactly what that is. If you're in the cleaning industry, the conversations have been, and I, content, I will say they will continue to be, the value of our profession has went up astronomically right now. How that's going to level out and where we're going to level out on that plane is yet to be seen. But folks, I've got to tell you, as you listen to Aaron and I talk, as you listen to the other people that have come on the podcast uh, up to now and will, there's one general message that I continue to hear in my headphones. It's, we will come out of it, be positive, and this is what I've been saying all the time. 
you know, we've got to be healthy, positive, and proactive. So what I'm trying to tell everybody, every single one of these podcasts and every time I meet somebody is write down what you're doing now. Make sure you're chronicling what we're doing so that later when this becomes not the one-off, as you said, Aaron, that we now have some protocol, some direction, and we have value. I, uh, somebody was saying how valuable they were and what their customer said. I said, get that testimonial now yep. while it's hot. Get that testimonial because later you're going to want to use that. Folks, if you're listening to us, you're in the cleaning industry, probably one of my best pieces of advice other than the nickel challenge is going to be get that testimonial for what you're doing today that is invaluable marketing tool for what your organization, what your personnel, what your operation is doing for society and saving lives. That's right. You've been listening to an hour of Aaron and I talk about everything that has to do with human behavior, COVID-19 infection prevention. This is Beyond Clean with Ace. We stream live every afternoon right now on Podbean Live. We are hosted and powered by Jim Supply. They are a supplier of janitorial products and solutions and our education in Central Florida and across the country uh, for all matters. They've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. That's 90 years of family-owned business doing the right thing. So if you need to get hold of us, we'll help you find an answer. Whatever you do, wherever you're at, Make sure that it's healthy, positive, and proactive. And by all means, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Anybody, anywhere, call in, join in, spread information, ask your questions, send them in to me, my email address, dthompson at academyofcleaning.com. Contact me at any one of the sites. A lot of people on LinkedIn. Aaron, thank you for being on. And hey, you can come back any afternoon you want to. You tell me when you'd like to talk again, Dave, and I will certainly make myself available because it's not like I got any place else to go. <laughs> All right. Well, but you know what? I'm going to be doing it uh, Saturday and Sunday, so I might have to give you a ring. Feel free. All right. Always Folks, great to talk to you. I wish we were talking down in Florida. I do too, but we will. We will. You'll be here. I will. Folks, we're out of here for this afternoon. See you tomorrow.